Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Now on a recent trip to Southeast Asia, I did manage to get up close and personal to an elephant or two. (laughs) And as an aside, the video footage clearly suggests that I had a slight wariness uh, on my part at least to begin with when I attempted to feed it a whole pineapple and wondered if I'd ever see my arm again. But this only serves to illustrate what that we should really be uh, respectful of the elephant. And that's whether it's in nature or if it's in the corner of the room in the metaphorical sense. So today I want to talk about the elephant in the room that surrounds what many describe as an optimum tax-free property investment strategy. That strategy is one of buy, hold forever, refinance uh, regularly and release the money for tax-free cash. Now, if you're tempted to give this strategy a go, then let me share with you some of the potential realities associated with this so-called tax-free investment income approach right now. Now, originally, this was intended to be a soundbite episode, but it might turn into amusing instead. And if you don't really know the difference, basically one is much longer than the other. So by the time we get into it, you'll probably have worked it out for yourself, but I'll recap at the end if I remember and tell you which one it's going to be. And I'll probably just put it as a title as well once I've uh, done the show notes properly. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. I've heard it said in some quarters, and that's both of late and of old, that there is a beautiful little property investment strategy that allows us to receive a tax-free income from life, sorry, for life, from a couple of property investments. Sounds terrific, doesn't it? Well, first of all, how does it go? Well, I'm happy to share with you the model for you freely as follows. Step one, buy an investment property, probably using a mortgage to maximize uh, leverage uh, to its, its full potential. Step two, wait around 10 years, which is around about the historic long-term average for property prices to double in the UK. Step three, remortgage the property based on the higher value to release some of that inbuilt equity tax-free. Step four, spend the tax-free cash released on your lifestyle, be it a car, holiday, new clothes, or even your weekly grocery bill, basically in whatever way you want to. Step five, rinse and repeat every 10 years or thereabouts. Step six, add in additional properties along the way to create more regular tax-free income replacement piles of cash. Step seven, ride off into the sunset without a care in the world. Sounds good, doesn't it? Perhaps almost too good. Hmm. But anyway, the secret to the formula and to the model is this. Debt receipts are a non-taxable source of income. So the proceeds of the remortgage, of course, being debt, are not subject to any form of taxation, as they are neither income nor a capital gain. In fact, it kind of gets better, or some would say so, as the debt also helps to reduce our inheritance tax bill as well. But that's really just deducting debt from uh, equity values and uh, eroding the, the total value of our, um, of our asset base uh, for, for our next generation. So it's stretching it just a little bit there. 
So returning to the main issues of no income tax and no capital gains tax, we'll, we'll carry on. But uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert for you, just in case you're too busy for the next 10 minutes or so to keep on listening. Here it is. It doesn't work quite as well as some might suggest. And in fact, I'd go as far as to say it's fundamentally flawed. Controversially. Okay, so having made that bold statement, let's take a quick look at a worked example that we can refer back to. Now I'm going to go through some figures and they'll all be in the show notes. So if you lose track, don't worry, you can refer back to it later on um, in the show notes, which are over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. But let's say we buy that notional buy-to-let property we all receive for £100,000 and see the model in action. Yeah, I know we don't always buy £100,000, which just keeps my math simple. So at the start, we have a single property with a purchase price of 100K, £100,000. And let's assume a mortgage of 75K using a 75% loan to value. As an important aside, mortgage interest relief is allowed on interest payments on the full £75,000 loan here. But they're limited to the basic rate of income tax as of 2020. It's being phased in over the next few years as per the recent changes in policy from the, from the government and the Chancellor in particular. As a basic rate taxpayer, we could feel largely unaffected by this tax change, at least at face value. However, our rental income will also be growing over time, and this could eventually help put us into a higher tax bracket just on its own. And let us not forget that if property prices are doubling every 10 years, say, then so too are rents, generally speaking. Similarly, rental profits will now be calculated before allowing a relief equating to the basic rate of tax on our mortgage interest payments. The implication of this being that our total income from the rental portfolio has been bumped up, uh, equivalent to a sum um, of the mortgage interest payments we could previously deduct from our income. And that basically means we could be pushed into a higher tax bracket as a result. So that could even affect basic rate taxpayers, and I think I've mentioned that point before. So just make a mental note of these few points based on this little preamble for later on. First of all, mortgage interest relief is only allowed if the to be claimed as a tax deduction, that is, if the proceeds are reinvested into the property business. Uh, so in other words, if you take them out, you can't actually make the, uh, the claim as a deduction. And indeed, they're going to be capped at the original purchase price of the property as well. I'll come back to that point in a minute. Rents are going to increase over time, which is going to add to our taxable income, which obviously is a good thing, but it could also put us into a different tax bracket. And mortgage interest is going to be uh, excluded from our rental profits when calculating our total taxable income, thus inflating our total income and potentially also pushing us into another tax bracket yet again. Okay, so returning to the model, it could uh, it would continue as follows. In around 10 years' time, the property is revalued at, say, £200,000, which assumes it's now doubled in value following the assumptions that we, we outlined earlier. Then we're going to remortgage, and if we remortgage at the same loan to value, so 75%, we're going to have a £150,000 loan. Therefore, a non-taxable income replacement of 75000 is released. And this is calculated by the difference of the new mortgage of 150000 and the original mortgage of 75000 However, remember what I said earlier about mortgage interest relief being capped on interest payments up to the original purchase price? Yeah. So we can only actually offset 100k in interest payments on the new loan against our tax bill if we have taken the money out of the rental property business. 
Or in other words, we've spent it. Of course, it will be limited to the basic rate of tax from 2020 as well, so it's a bit of a double whammy there. This essentially means that we need to factor the tax cost on the interest we were unable to offset into our calculations. It gets complex, I know. But at this stage, you're probably still thinking, this still sounds quite appealing from the income tax, uh, tax-free tax side of things alone. But let's just carry on a minute. As an aside, in this example, our average annual tax-free income equivalent here is around about 7.5k in today's value or today's prices. Happy days, apparently. Anyway, so father time moves us forward another 10 years and here's how it looks then. Revaluation after say 20 years, that's where we're at, we're at the moment, £400,000, again assuming property prices have doubled again. We again remortgage at the same 75% loan to value and that results in a new 300k loan. The additional non-taxable income replacement here is 150k, which we can draw out of the, uh, of the equity we've released. So that's the calculated as the new loan of 300,000 less the old loan of 150,000, which leaves the 150,000 in our back pocket. On the tax-free income replacement, that looks like an equivalent of around about £15,000 per annum in today's value. Sounds enticing, doesn't it? Once again, however, mortgage interest relief is only allowed on interest payments on the first 100k of the loan. That's the original purchase price, of course, and not the full 300k. So we can't offset all of our income, uh, sorry, interest payments against our tax bill. That's the point of that. And even if we can, on the, on the amount that remains, it's going to be capped at the basic rate of tax as well. So you might need to have a, an abacus to work things out at this stage with all the sort of comings and goings and ins and outs. But trust me, it's not really that great. And let's do another round of this circuit and quickly look at the same result in around 30 years, when most are probably in or at least thinking about retirement or winding down or having an extra income source or something like that. So here we've got a revaluation, that same property, of £800,000. Again, following the property prices doubling every 10 years assumption as before. Now we're going to remortgage, again 75% loan to value, so that's £600,000. Means we can release cash of £300,000 being the £600,000 loan, new loan, less the £300,000 old loan. So that's around 30k per annum in today's value as a tax-free income replacement. I'm working out the income replacement sums based on recycling every 10 years. That's how I get the uh, the figure there, by the way, in case uh, you weren't following that. So 300k divided by 10 years is 30k per annum. Again, interest relief is capped on the first 100k and indeed is capped at the basic rate of tax as before. Now, that's assuming we're going to refinance every 10 years over a 30-year period. And there's a slight variation to this model where we don't actually remortgage as we go, we just remortgage at the end. So, as I say, the, the, the variation is to avoid the regular remortgaging and skip to remortgage in 30 years' time. And this might look a little bit like the last item above. And if you remember, we had something like a, um, a 300k cash released. But in this example, we then have 500k released all in one go in 30 years' time. And so that would be a new mortgage of £600,000, less the old loan of uh, £100,000, um, and, and ignoring any mortgage, mortgage expiry terms for the moment. At face value then, a 500 k annual tax-free income from a single property for the next 10 years. And that sounds pretty appealing, doesn't it? But hold that thought. What about the latest change to mortgage interest relief, or as it's called, the Clause 24 of the Finance Act? Or the Alice in Wonderland tax grab, <laughs> as it's become popularly known. If you haven't heard of that, suggest you look it up. 
Without going into uh, the detailed maths, you'll note that from 2020, you could offset, or, or rather up to 20, uh, 2020, you could offset 100% of your interest payments as a basic rate taxpayer and about 50% as, as a high rate taxpayer. Yeah, sorry, it was from 2020. Sorry to confuse you. Now, if you were to remortgage around 2026 as planned in our model, these percentages would fall to around about 67% or 33%, depending on what tax bracket you're in. And by the time we remortgage again in 2036, they would fall to around about 25% and 12.5%, and indeed down to 17% and 8% from 2046. The point I'm trying to illustrate, or in other words, what was a previously decent tax deduction has now become quite insignificant. And don't forget that, that, uh, that at the same time, our rental income has most likely also quadrupled by this time as well. So our tax bill, in theory, in theory, could be quite high. Yes, I know, personal allowances and tax brackets also shift over time. However, that's even more moving, moving parts and unknowns for us to consider in, the, in this equation. Okay, so back to the elephant in the room. My controversial statement that a remortgage for tax-free income and hold forever strategy is fundamentally flawed. And here's why I think this to be the case. First of all, note what I said about the impact on interest relief earlier. It could hamper our normal income tax position, as there are in fact two limitations to consider here. The first is the cap at the original purchase price of the property, being one of them, and the basic rate relief cap being the other, double whammy as I mentioned earlier. The second point is that it relies on property prices increasing sufficiently to be able to remortgage, and in particular, and in particular at the precise time we require the income. So just consider for a moment, if we wanted some money to live on, in the equivalent of the entire 1990s or between 2009 and 2014. Now, there were two points in history when property prices either dropped or flatlined. And that'd be like being asked to wait to draw our salary or our pension for between five and 10 years. Point three, it relies on credit being both available and affordable. It was certainly not available um, after the global financial crisis. And nor is it affordable when interest rates were in double figures for periods of the 70s, 80s and 90s. That's a 30-year time span. So consider, if we have a change of circumstances or what if uh, there's more legislation like the Mortgage Market Review or the European Mortgage Directive, or if we're just too old, uncreditworthy or otherwise non-viable to even get a mortgage, or indeed any number of unpredictable events outside of our control that affected our ability to remortgage so far into the future. It largely ignores the cost of repayment on the debt as an income deduction as well. That's the next point. Even at an interest rate of 5%, our tax-free income in our final round would have been either £30,000 or £50,000 per year, depending on which of those model variations we would have adopted. However, if we factor in the cost of our new mortgage at a 5% interest rate, that will reduce our income by £30,000 per year. Hmm... Okay, so we should be able to service the debt repayments from our rent now, shouldn't we? Did I mention high interest rate rates yet? Mm, best, that, best that I don't, I think, not at this stage anyway, but you get the picture. The fifth point really is about inflation. Just as asset values grow through inflationary effects, so does the purchasing power of our income fall through those same inflationary effects. So in other words, and to illustrate the point, 
£30,000 a year or £50,000 a year won't be worth anything like the same sum in 30 years as it is today. So for example, £30,000 a year will be equivalent to around 14000 a year, a little bit more than that, but 14300 I think it is, assuming a 2.5% annual inflation rate, which is really low. Sixth point, it leaves us extremely vulnerable should we ever need to sell in retirement. And I use the word need here because nobody wants to sell the asset. That's the whole purpose of this strategy. We might need to. And uh, there's a number of examples where that might happen. So in my ex examples, and, and ignoring capital gains tax annual exemptions for a minute, just to keep my math simple again, if we needed to sell or transfer our property in 30 years, say, then we would have a taxable gain of £700,000 and therefore a tax bill of around about 126 or 196,000 pounds depending on our tax bracket but we would only have 200,000 pounds in cash to pay the bill and then we would have no asset and no future income source as well either and that could be our pension gone it could be certainly a salary gone at that at that point in time and as i mentioned it's if we need to sell and uh, that's basically a forced sale situation. So we might even get the same, the, the right value of the property in that situation either. So anyway, I'm trying to paint a, a gloomy picture and I, can, I guess you get that. But um, who knows what capital gains tax is going to be at that point in time, 20 or 30 years downstream. And that really brings me to my last point. It assumes that the tax rules will be the same decades into the future. And we can see just from the last nine months how ta the tax landscape can shift quite quickly. And who knows if debt will ever become a taxable income source in 20 or 30 years' time. I know it sounds incredible right now, but you know you just never know, do you? And it's simply too far off and too subject to the unknown to contemplate, surely. There are possibly many reasons, uh, many more reasons that I, I sense I could have uh, you know, brought out here, but I sense I'm on a bit of a rant here, so I'll just draw the line at that. I think you've probably got the general picture. And uh, I know this idea is an attractive concept and at face value, it seems like a real winner. But just look at what is happening to some people in the property community right now. I'm not going to mention any names, but just do a little bit of research and you'll find that there's some people that are selling up or even emigrating as a result of the recent changes in the tax landscape, which has made this refinancing merry-go-round come to a rather abrupt halt over the past few months. Oh, and if you are thinking of merely switching this model into a limited company structure to avoid the interest relief issues that I've been raising, just consider how you're going to get the money out of the company to spend it without paying tax on it first, won't you? So now I'm, I'm sure that there are many counter arguments. I might even made the odd error in my calculations um, and by all means point it out. But seriously, can all of my, my points be safely countered or eliminated in, in entirety? I have to be very honest with you, actually, that in saying um, well, in saying all of this to you a few years ago, just myself, I was I was actually tempted to go along with this strategy. I actually thought it was just ideal, really, as a, a tax-free property investment strategy. That's until I really thought it through. That is, and I really started to work out some of these implications. And it's been made worse, to be fair, um, over recent months. So people perhaps were talking about this, um, you know, without factoring in some of the recent changes that happened. But that's my last point, really. Things can change. Anyway, so that's my advice to you. Just think it through and model the scenarios, assuming you are you know, capable of writing an algorithm to model all the moving parts, that is. But if you do make sure um, that you, you, you model all the parts, make sure you also have a crystal ball built into it as well. That would be really ideal. 
yeah, I know I'm sounding a little bit uh, almost sarcastic about it, but I'm, I'm kind of... Um, I heard this touted around as a as a panacea, really, to uh, and and the sort of uh, you know the, the 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 optimum property investment strategy for tax free cash, but it really isn't quite as uh, as straightforward as that. Anyway, I guess my views on this strategy are pretty plain and clear right now. Therefore, I would severely caution anyone intent on adopting this hold forever and keep refinancing for tax free cash approach. You know, um, very much under wraps. You know, that's my opinion. It's very, it's very risky and indeed quite uncertain as well. As sad and poo-pooing as my message appears to be this week, as I said at the start, it gets the elephant in the room right out there in plain view at least. Now, by all means, do let me know if I've got it all wrong. I'd love to hear that. Or on the other hand, if this has been your strategy all along, or it's your planned strategy from here on in, I may have now blown it to smithereens, so uh, sorry about that. By all means, email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and we can kick the cat together if you like. Now, I know I'm mixing my animal metaphors now, aren't I? So sorry about that. Okay, so that's my uh, my vote for Mr. Popular in Property out of the window for this year, isn't it? Next week, I intend to be a slightly more jovial frame of mind as it's our birthday. In fact, we intend to celebrate three birthdays next week, one being the Property Voice podcast, But join me next time to find out what the others are as well. Unless you want to hazard a guess, that is. But if all of those numbers and references were a little bit too much to follow, then, you know, as you've been listening along, then worry not, as the show notes can be found over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. But for now, and in closing, thank you very much for joining me on the show this week. And until next time on the Property Property Voice podcast, even, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.